You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sharpen your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome, students, to another edition of the Star Seminar. Here we are, wrapping up our semester for this Team Tot course. And as always, I want to introduce my co-teacher. It is the great Dr. Danny Phantom, the man who puts the happy and happy holidays. How are you today, sir? I am great, Rabs. And uh, speaking of wrapping, uh, you know what? We have been wrapping up a lot of things in the Rogers household. We have been wrapping up presents, wrapping up shopping, wrapping up getting the food ready for our our Christmas. Family's coming over. And right now, you know, just prior to the show, I, I was listening to music and I just, just really feeling the spirit, and so I mean, I tell you what, I'm just in a great mood, and you know, I was wanted to ask you, Rabs, uh, as I was listening, sitting here, listening to all this wonderful Christmas music, I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite Christmas song? Uh, that's a great question, and I will say that my favorite is the Carol of the Bells. I love mm-hmm. the Carol of the Bells, or something kind of like wintry and oldie timey English and it's haunting and it's not like it's not it's kind of like in a minor key it's a little bit somber but so it, it's it's really complex and and it's, it's sort of like there's sort of it's layered and um and there's a lot of different versions of it there's like jazz versions of it and there's like you know choral versions of it and they all get me I I, I just love that song how about you yeah, I you know there's so many. I I like a lot of the the remakes, you know, a lot, or a lot of the I should say, but just original uh, Christmas songs that aren't the classic ones. Um, there's like there's a Brian Adams one that I like. I think it's called Christmas Time. I think the John Lennon one is always. I just, every time I hear that one, you know, I that, that I like that song too. But I think my my favorite. I don't know how how common this is, but I, my favorite is actually um, Christmas Time Again by Extreme. Um, I don't know, Extreme maybe is a band in the 90s or something. Uh, don't mm-hmm. don't really know a whole lot about it, but I just, I love that song. If you, if you haven't heard it, uh, I'd advise, you know, recommend people go check it out. Um, Christmas Time Again is the song and it's by Extreme. That's that's my very favorite Christmas song. But honestly, there's just, there's a lot of them. And, um, you know, it just, it just puts, puts you in the mood and it makes for a joyous time. And uh, speaking of a joyous time, Rabs, what kind of joyous time do we have for our listeners today? Wow, that was an amazing holiday segue. Uh, We actually have a fantastic show for everybody today. Um, We're going to do our holiday spectacular, and it's going to be very much holiday themed. And so we 
what we've done is brought on three of the greatest minds out there in um, advanced cowboy studies. We're going to have uh, our our good friend Big Jane, Big Game James, um, who's a you know a podcaster extraordinaire over at uh, BGJ Sports. We're going to bring on once again our old friend Shane Carter, who has been just killing it uh, over at A to Z Dallas, and of course the um, the head of all heads. Uh, our, our dear friend and the creator of the site, uh, you know, is the platform for this podcast, the big boss, Dave Halpern. So we're going to do some holiday themed, uh, you know, Cowboys uh, chatting and um, should be pretty fun. But I tell you what, before we do that, I actually want, uh, speaking of holiday themed, I have, I have some uh, interesting holiday trivia for you that I want to kind of run by you. Okay. So I, um, this trivia is about, uh, holiday, and then broadly conceived, it could be anything, you know, for through this, these various winter holidays, um, holiday traditions that are a little bit unusual in other countries and other cultures. So what I'm going to do is I'm, uh, some of these are real and some of these are not real. I'm going to throw a couple of them at you, and I want you to tell me whether you think this is a real thing or this is a made-up thing. Oh, this is going to be interesting. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Okay. So uh, is this real or not? And, and the first one, in Caracas, Venezuela – People roller skate to Christmas morning mass every year. Hmm. That would be just an unusual thing to make up. And plus, crack of how did I mean the fact that you even came up with that? It, I don't know, Raz. It sounds like it's something that's legit. It is, in fact, legit. And in fact, it's now so well established that most of the city streets are closed to traffic from 8 a.m. on so that all the roller skaters can get to church safely. Oh, nice. Here's the second one. In Japan, Kentucky Fried Chicken is a very popular meal on December 25th. Oh, man. You know, that's crazy because, I mean, I feel like they eat a lot better than we do, you know, and that could be like a luxury. Uh, so it, it sounds it sounds like it could, could be real. And uh, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it is. And you are right, sir. It is, in fact, a very popular meal. Uh, Japanese folks like to celebrate December 25th slash Christmas by going to KFC. I guess it's like they just indulge in full-on Americana. <laughs> um, next one. Australians often ring in the new year by writing resolutions in the sand at the beach. In Australia. Oh. Oh man, you know it, it's fitting it would be in the beach because that's you know that's how long resolutions typically last. Um, right? Yeah, I like I like that for that reason. Uh, gee, I don't, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say that one's made up. You again are right, sir. You are very good at this. Man. It is made up. Um, well done. Uh, next one. Each year in the Mexican city of Oaxaca, the days before Christmas are marked by an event known as the night of the radishes. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so ridiculous that it has to be legit. <laughs> <laughs> it, in fact, is legit. And I encourage everybody to Google the night of the radishes because in fact, they sculpt, they, they, they sculpt and, and carve radishes and then put them all together to make all these figures and stuff. And they're incredible. They're I, I, incredible. Radishes? They're really. 
radishes. Yes. Wow. Well, I mean, how much can so, like, you really... they'll, they'll make a dragon out of like a hundred radishes, each of which is like carved and like they'll, like they'll, they'll peel away part of the skin to make scales. I mean, they're, they're incredible. They're really, they're I want to be there. Like when, when someone's pitching this idea, it's like, you know, we're going to make this nice, cool design of a dragon, but we're going to use radishes. And I mean, it, I don't know. That just seems like that would be a hard sell, but no, that's a, that's crazy. Now I'm going to have yeah, it's kind of like the Rose Bowl parade, but with radishes instead of instead of flowers. I guess <laughs> I'm I'm gonna definitely be googling it and checking it out. And the last one for you in Denmark, citizens celebrate the first snowball snowfall. Excuse me, with a barefoot sprint. Oh, ooh. you know what? I feel like you need to you need to throw in some more silly ones here, Rabs, to give balance, but. I'm going to trust my gut, and I'm going to say that's legit, too. You are finally wrong, sir. Oh. That, you, uh, your instinct, I think, was to say that that was not legit, and, in fact, that one was made up. So um, so there's there's just five. I, I encourage folks to, like, Google, uh, you know, unusual holiday traditions because there's a bunch more that I didn't include, and it's really sort of fascinating to see, like, these local traditions that, that, that sort of, you know, start up in, in different places and then become – part of uh you know i mean they're, they're, some of these are hundreds of years old but yeah. i tell you what uh let's uh, speaking of hundreds hundreds of years old we have a, at least a hundred years of cowboys fandom here in the group that we're going to be um ch- chopping it up with so tell you what let's get those fine gentlemen here and start to celebrate our holiday with them what a fantastic idea raps all right students it's time to study for the final and we have as- assembled a terrific panel of experts to help you study for what is going to be the biggest test of the year. Joining me are Big Game James. Yeah. Who's been rocking and rolling at BGJ Sports Show and Podcast for a long time now. Great to have you aboard, sir. We also have Shane Carter. Uh, who has been uh, crafting great content for A to Z Dallas and is the producer and play-by-play dude at Vibe Sports. Shane, welcome back. Great to have you. Happy to be back. And last but not least, the head honcho, the man who's got us all here. Without him, we wouldn't have this podcast. It's the great Dave Halperin, the mafioso extraordinaire at Blogging the Boys. Welcome, Dave. Ah, thank you. What a great introduction. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, we are going to have a Christmas-themed podcast here. We're going to have three segments with these fine gentlemen. So take out your notebooks and sharpen your pencils and get ready to take notes because you are going to be uh, doing some learning here. First segment, Secret Santa. Here's what we're going to do. We've asked each of these people to prepare a question or statement about something that worries them about this team. I've already sort of assigned quietly a a secret Santa for everybody. I'm going to pull names out of a hat. That person's going to say what their thing that they're worried about is, or the the question or statement about what what worries them about this team. And their secret Santa is going to gift them an answer that uh, will alleviate all their fears, a very positive, a very uplifting, homeristic manner um, uh, of answer. So, uh, we will then uh, we'll then move on to a couple of other ones, but let's start with that one. Secret Santa time. I've got my magical Cowboys hat here with everybody's name in it. I'm going to pull a name out, and, um, and we'll start, and then I'll have that person's Secret Santa go ahead and gift them 
with a lovely answer to alleviate all their concerns going into uh, Christmas Eve's big showdown with the hated Eagles. And the first name that I have pulled is Shane. Shane, what concerns you about this team? What concerns me is that outside of C.D. Lamb and Noah Brown, uh, there's no other wide receiver, not tight end or running back, wide receiver that creates consistent separation and has become a receiving threat on the outside. We may hope for T.Y. Hilton, and we may hope that OBJ might, might sign but we're still waiting for Michael Gallup to show signs he's back, but we're still waiting for Jalen Tolbert to be that guy. Outside of Noah Brown, C.D. Lamb, do we have that third option in the passing game? And it turns out that your secret Santa is none other than the great Danny Phantom. Danny, mm. gift Shane. Hey. Oh, lovely. This is, this is wonderful because talking about wide receiver depth and OBJ and stuff like that is it's one of my favorite things to uh, – to touch on, but uh, you know what? I, I'll tell you what, Shane. You, you know you're going to be happy for for a number of reasons. And first off, I want to say that um, you know I did some looking when we um, we're kind of looking at separation uh, recently. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The Cowboys don't have receivers that can separate. C.D. Lamb is the best they got, and he's he separates about three yards. Um, and that's the that's and he's consistently every year doing that but the other guys gallops not good at all and um but another the other thing too is neither is really ty hilton and also neither is obj so uh those kind of ads would not do much more you know to to me but here's why it doesn't matter it's because the cowboys they just don't need it they have other things going for them on offense i mean we look at that minnesota game in particular where they just were tearing it up if you look at how they were using the tight ends and how they were using the running game. I mean, this this offense isn't really about having great wide receivers. Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb are fine, and so is Noah Brown when, um, you know, he's used to, to his strengths, which is not catching critical, you know, third down passes. It's blocking and, uh, you know, other elements of his game that he contributes. So, I mean, the Cowboys wide receiver group is, it is what it is, but it's not a problem. It's, you know, it's kind of like, what is it? I wouldn't say a fruitcake because some people are think that's disgusting, but it's it's like that dish that's like, you know what? It's not great, but it's not a problem. And I just think that I just don't think that it's something that we need to worry about. We've we've demonstrated that we can be really good without it. So why not believe that, you know, they can keep this going? So it's to me, I just don't think it's important. So just I would just kind of relax and it, everything's going to be OK, Shane. I'll take that. Shane, that that gift felt a little bit like getting a gram uh, a, a, a sweater from your grandmother on Christmas. <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to do yes. that, Rabs. <laughs> All right, next up in our secret Santa, let me reach my hand into the magic Cowboys cap here, and we have James. James, yeah. what concerns you about this Cowboys team? Uh, run defense. Uh, that's been my main concern for the last seems like a hundred years. Uh, but the run defense has been a big problem for me. They're averaging, giving up an average of 4.6 yards a carry, uh, pretty much this whole season at this highest, I believe it was like at 4.7, 4.8. Um, even last year as a, as a whole, they averaged the defense gave up 4.5 yards a carry. And I feel like that hindered us last year in, uh, big games. Uh, when we play running, we have problems with, uh, mobile quarterbacks. We've seen that this year already with Justin Fields. Uh, we saw it against Houston. Uh, we saw it a little bit in Philly. 
Um, and that's my concern. And then when you had your uh, acquisition of Jonathan Hankins, who I personally pushed for a couple of years ago, who went out, I thought he was playing well and holding up the middle. I think it's a concern with the rest of these games. You got Derrick Henry. You have um, the Eagles coming up with their run game. Uh, Washington can run the ball very well. So we need to shore that up before heading into the playoffs because that's an issue uh, that really, to me, if you can't stop the run, it really hurts everything else. And so it turns out that I am your secret Santa. So I will try to gift you uh, with, with a response that hopefully will alleviate your fears a little bit. And so I have sort of two responses, uh, one of which in some ways you've already set the table for. Um, but the first thing I'll say is ultimately uh, not being great against the run doesn't matter that much in the NFL, right? So like I, I think there is a certain point um, our dear friends, uh, Marcus Mosier and Landon McCool on their podcast have talked about this to some degree. Like there's a certain sort of envelope beyond which if you're giving up that number of, uh, you know, sort of average per run, then you, then ultimately like the fact that the, the run game isn't as impactful sort of changes and the whole kind of landscape changes. So uh, I think there's, so the, right now, like I'm not that worried about the running game because I'm never that worried about the running game. And I, the other thing I'll say is what's really important against the run is can you get like uh, negative plays or can you get like stops, you know, where you only give up a, a yard or two. And earlier in the year, they were having a little more trouble. They certainly had a lot of trouble doing that against Green Bay. But more recently, and even frankly, against the Jaguars, they were able to get those kind of negative plays. And ultimately, like, a negative play in the run game is is equivalent to like a sack or a penalty in terms of like putting you behind the sticks. So um, that's my first response. And the second one is for things to change in terms of the Cowboys seeding or playoff position or anything like that, the Eagles have to lose out and the Cowboys have to win out. That's really unlikely to happen. It could, but it's, it's very unlikely to happen. And so I think we're pretty much locked in right now to the fifth seed. So what happens going forward in these next three games doesn't matter that much. So you just named like, you know, three running games that the Cowboys could struggle against. I agree. I don't think that the Eagles are a good matchup. I think Tennessee's not as bad a matchup because they don't use as much eye, can eye candy, et cetera. But I think the thing about that is when they get Leighton Van Der Esch back, which it looks like they're going to for the playoff run, um, I, think they're, I think that they're probably going to be resting some dudes. Micah Parson needs to, needs to take a week off because he has beat the heck up. I think that they're going to be a, you know, a, a, a little tougher, a little saltier uh, against the run game when it comes time to playoffs. And frankly, at this juncture in the season, that's the only thing that matters. I hear you. Uh, so you, we may we may endure some some more Jacksonville like games, but I think that uh, I think that I'm okay with that as long as as long as uh, they get folks back healthy and they're ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, uh, in week 19. Uh -huh. All right, next up, Secret Santa uh, for our good friend Danny Phantom. Danny, what's bothering you about the Dallas Cowboys? So staying with the defense, I'm going to go the other direction. What I'm really worried about is how the Cowboys are going to handle the absence of Anthony Brown. And, of course, we all have our own different opinions about Anthony Brown. Um, so he's gone now, and it hasn't been good. So we have Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright, you know, the Cowboys' um, day two picks of last year. And needless to say, things haven't been that great to start off with. So 
One of my biggest worries is the Cowboys being torched, you know, being lit up like a Christmas tree. How are they going to survive, you know, with with only Trayvon Diggs and not much else help? So please make me feel better about that. And the secret Santa, whose job it is to do that? None other than our dear friend, Big Game James. Ha, I love it. This this has called for me. This called for me, Mr. Phantom. All right. We had talked about this before already. So this is this is perfect. So I'm gonna try to alleviate your fears just a little bit. And there are definitely are some fears, but this is what I'll say to this. I know Anthony Brown, when I looked at his numbers this past season, he was pretty much almost having the same type of season he had last year, which was almost a career year, just a little bit more missed tackles, and I understand the veteran leadership and what he brings to the table. His past defenses were down a little bit as well, uh, but overall, pretty good. Now, this is what I can say that may alleviate a little bit of your help, uh, uh, pain is Kelvin Joseph. I saw We saw what happened in Jacksonville. He got torched up. They benched him, whatever. But this is what I'll say. When I saw him, if we really look at his career so far, he hasn't really got any many opportunities. Last year was his rookie year. He got behind the eight ball with injury, so he really couldn't touch the field. I saw some good work when I saw him play against the Philadelphia Eagles, the, the Arizona Cardinals, and the Washington Commanders. I saw him be able to be a physical-type cornerback, be a press-type cornerback. Um, he had very good ratings in two of those three matchups in those games, and I, he's a very good – he was very physical. I think he had like seven or eight tackles in that Eagles game. So he shows he can come up and tackle. The thing that I look at in that Jacksonville game is the first pass that he got the touchdown. Yes, he got beat on the double move, but I do say there should have been a little bit of safety help as we saw that. So, and then the second one, I feel like Dan Quinn kind of helped your cornerback. You you look at the matchups, and I think if you look at the matchups to go to where can be some of his strengths, I think it can work. So, also, I feel like your your players get better when they play more. We got to look at he's coming straight off the bench. He hadn't played all year. You got to give him some time to get some work. And I've seen when I've seen him against Indianapolis, he had a big time pass defense against Alec Pierce mm-hmm. that got the Indianapolis Colts off the off the field um, in the Jacksonville game. Like I said, I've seen elements. And then even with Nashawn Wright, Nashawn Wright has been inactive all season, right? But he came in and he was physical. They did attack him, but he was physical at the point of attack. I did see him coming there and attack the ball. Um, I didn't see him scared, and that's what I like. That's what got me a little bit excited. And I like his length. He's about six foot four. He's got long arms. Um, and I, like I said, when I seen him come in the game, I saw progress from Kelvin Joseph from that aspect. And I'm seeing both of those corners. And also, we uh, picked up the Trayvon Mullins uh, kid as well. I think if Dan Quinn just really kind of caters to it, kind of moves the safety, rolls the safety help to that side, I think we can uh, I think we can be okay. And plus, Kevin Joseph, Nation Wright, they have pretty good athletic ability. So I'm going to lean on that as well. And I think these games, if you let them continue to play it out, these games can help. So may not make you feel super great, but like I said, these are your second and third round draft picks. You need to see them. And I've seen ability before, so that's when I can lean on these guys can get better. And I feel like Dan Quinn can put them in the best positions to do that as well. Yeah, that's a great, great answer, James. And, you know, and, and one thing, and Rab's talk, and I talked about this a little bit um, last week, uh, you know, it, the Cowboys could be in a situation to where the, these last couple games doesn't, doesn't mean anything really. So this uh-huh. this this is perfect opportunity for 
those guys to to do exactly that is to get that work. Yep. And you're right. Uh-huh. I mean, it was we saw some good in 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 their play. You know, it wasn't it wasn't atrocious. You know, that one time he grabbed him and they got he got beat. But outside of that, you know, you can see something there. So yeah, I, you know, thank you for making me feel better. I mean, it's it's something that's going to worry me, but uh, you know, there is definitely hope. So thanks for that. I try to be a good Santa today. (laughs) 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 All right. Next up for our secret Santa is none other than our big boss, Dave Halpern. What's worrying you about this team, Dave? What is worrying me about this team are the interceptions. They are just killing us. And if if you look at uh, how the offense has been performing, if you pull those interceptions out of the picture, they're doing great. We'd be in, even with the defense starting its collapse on us in the last few weeks, we would still be winning these games handily if we weren't turning the ball over like that. And the, my bigger problem on that is this has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. Dak has already said, I know I got to quit. And it's not all on Dak. We all know that. Mm-hmm. But Noah Brown popping balls up in the air, pick six, game over. It's just it's it's like a group of cowboys are contributing to this. So how is it going to stop? Someone save me here. And the person who's designated to save you is none other than Shane. Shane, make uh, him feel better. Give give him a, a, a happy Christmas gift. Well, Hal, I actually wrote about this earlier in the week, so I'm the right person to ask. <laughs> give it to so, me. So actually, it, it actually affects more in recent history. The last four Super Bowl winners, the quarterback has either led the league in interceptions or been among the league leader in interceptions. Matt, Matthew Stafford had 17 last year, led the league. The only exception was Pat Mahomes, who missed two games that, that year due to injury. With Dak Prescott, like you said, they are not all on him, but a lot of the times it's because of a receiver running the wrong route or a test to play in the hands. But despite that, the Cowboys still have the number one scoring offense since Dak returned back from injury. So if you have an offense and a quarterback that is able to overcome turnovers like that to score over 30 points a game, despite multiple turnovers, sometimes per game, you're going to be in good shape going into the postseason against teams like Tampa, who, who, have, who are 1-3 in, in their last four games, against Minnesota, who you waxed in their home turf, against Philly, who I believe on equal footing, the Cowboys can still beat, and even though we won't see a Prescott to Hurts versus Hurts matchup until maybe in the postseason. And even against the Niners, who I'm not all the way sold on Brock Purdy just yet because I haven't really seen him go against a top-tier opponent on, on the road. The best team that we saw in play so far has been Seattle, but they've also kind of faltered as late as well. So I would I would sit back and, you know, take a deep breath on those interceptions. And the reason I titled the, my article, by the way, if you want to look it up, is that the reason it's not such a big deal is because he is such a good quarterback and they have such a good system run through him that they can overcome one or two interceptions like it, that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at the end of the year, even if he only plays all, all 12 games that he could have played and leads the league interception because – the way they run this offense, the way that he runs that team is good enough to overcome it and still score 30 to 40 points. So help, you know, let him throw an interception. It's okay because in the end, they're pro- they're going to they're gonna be in the game and even win it sometimes despite it. Nice. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Shane. Uh, I'm up last. Uh, so um, I'm going to say that the thing that bothers me is, and so we've had a couple of folks, you know, uh, talk about, concerns about the offense about the interceptions about um the wide receivers and i feel like both of those things are in no small part a byproduct of the thing that i'm going to bring up which is that the cowboys 
offensive line is very good against the run, but is is at, at near at or near league bottom in pass block win rate. They're now uh, 29th as of as of this week, um, and their pass block win rate is about 49. percent And I I I I believe that that's um, that one of the reasons why we're not seeing receivers get open is because they don't have time to get open. We don't have, we don't have the kind of receivers who have like quickness necessarily, you know, who can get open immediately. They, they, we have some more long striders, guys who, who who sort of ramp up to speed, and they need time to get open. And um, this this particular offensive line is not giving them that time. Uh, so I think that the Cowboys are going to be a, a pretty effective run team against against most opponents. But I really truly wonder if they're offensive line will give them enough time for them to hit those intermediate and long passes that uh, those big chunk plays that ultimately are going to make the difference in a close game against a, against a uh, quality opponent in the playoffs. And uh, as you might've guessed the one person remaining, my secret Santa is Dave Halpern. Dave, make me feel better about the offensive line. All right. I'll give it a shot. All right, so first I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Tyler Smith is all of a sudden going to turn all pro. He's going to lock down that left side. We're all going to be good. That's just not going to happen. So they are going to have to work their way around it. I mean, Tyler Smith is not a bad player. I don't want anybody to get me, you know, thinking I'm saying that he is. He's not. He's he's good in the run. He's learning his craft in the pass blocking, but he's just not there yet where he's going to lock that side down. But here's the thing. If the Cowboys can get back to doing what they do on the rest of the team, you're going to be just fine, right? What's really been killing us lately? Defense is falling apart. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're giving up 40 points to the Jaguars. We're giving up, you know, upper 20s to uh, Houston. You know, these things is just not what our defense is. And the thing, another thing I was going to bring up in this section that no one brought up, but I thought was a big issue right now, is the pass rush. What has happened to the pass rush? When we can rush the passer, then that helps Kelvin Joseph or whoever's going to be playing on that outside there. And I'm not talking about just pressures. I'm talking about you have to get sacks. I actually wrote about an article about that last year, where the percentage of stopping a drive when you get a sack as opposed to pressure is phenomenally better. You have to get home. And the Cowboys were getting home. And when they were getting home, they ran the ball. They threw it when they needed to. They were dominating teams. It was looking really good. Now that defense is having its issues, and I think a lot of it stems around the pass rush, it's it's put us in the position where we're passing a lot. We're putting Dak in pressure situations. He's throwing interceptions. Other things are happening. So – the Cowboys can block well enough if they're playing the right kind of game, and that goes back to getting their pass rush back. And I really believe that uh, Dan Quinn, why well, he's got a lot of stuff to do on that cornerback situation, he needs to pay attention to what teams are doing suddenly to pick up this pass rush. And I noticed a lot of those same stunts they were running so effectively all year are not working anymore. Offensive lines have figured this out. They like, they know what we want to do in the pressure situations. They know that, you know, putting Micah on the end and then shifting him through the middle to try to get that inside push. They're picking that up. I watched it happen over and over in the Jacksonville game. So the Cowboys, uh, offensive line is certainly good enough to win 
as they are built. They're not going to become the best pass protection team overnight. But as long as the rest of their team, specifically the defense, gets back to playing to the talent level we know they have, then that is not going to be a problem at all for them going forward. Dave, you gave me a gift, and but then that one created an even bigger concern. <laughs> Surprised no one had brought that concern up. I was thinking about doing it myself. All right, well, thanks for playing, everybody. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to Danny because we have another segment for you. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now what we're going to do is, uh, so so Rabs and I both think that the White Elephant Gift Exchange is one of the most ruthless Christmas activities that, uh, you know, you have to sit through, you know, you go around uh, just stealing other people's happiness away from them. So, uh, so we thought it was totally appropriate to interject the White Elephant when talking about the intolerable Philadelphia Eagles. So how this works is, what we're going to do is, Rabs is going to randomly draw one of our names out of a hat. And we are going to list one thing that we hate about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, when your turn comes, if you also want to talk about something that someone else has said, you can go ahead and steal their answer and then add on more to it. So it's okay to have duplicates here. So this that's how this works. So if, you know, we got to just uh, try to find some uh, some hate towards the Eagles, which I'm sure is probably not that difficult for us to do. So, Rabs, if you could just... Uh, let us know who's first. I'll, I'll let you know that I live uh, behind enemy lines. I live in Philadelphia. I did not grow up here, but I moved here as, as, a, as a rabid cowboy fan. And so this is my favorite segment in the last hundred years. This is going to be awesome. All right. Uh, so leading us off, tell us how much you hate the Eagles and what you hate about them. Big game, James. All right. So. Man, I got a couple of things on this, but I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go a little different because I know a lot of people will say this answer, but I'm gonna go a little different. The one of the things that I really hate about the Philadelphia Eagles are some of their former players um, because oh. they never let it go with Dallas. Uh, Donovan nice. McNabb, yes, uh, Shady McCoy, um, Hugh Douglas, uh, AJ Seth Joyner, uh, those type of guys that I watched when I was younger. Um, I mean, you could see the hate with them with Dallas back in the day, but it's like once they, it's like they never gave us respect when we played. Like even when we, I remember when we played, uh, I think it was 09 when we beat the Eagles the last game of the season and we beat them in the playoffs and mm-hmm. McNabb was uh, downplaying the 
the victory we beat them. He's like, ah, oh, they beat us, but we're going to smack them when we play in the playoffs. Like, he never gave us that respect. That makes me really – that's why I never really liked Donovan McNabb because I don't really think he was a great quarterback anyway. But I just feel like, yo, you talked a little bit too much about Dallas, in my opinion. And just some of these guys, McCoy now going, just saying just the – it's like they underplay Dallas Cowboys players because of their hate. You know what I mean? And that thing is the thing that frustrates me the most about them and makes me hate them the most is because they'll never give an honest critique about a Cowboys player because they let their hate involve the analysts. So that would be, to me, the biggest thing that I hate about the Eagles is their former players. They kind of just, they won't let it go. So even when they analyzed our team, they put their hate in there and they never want to give us the credit because they're hate when they play this. So yeah, that really gets on my nerves and I just really hate when they talk. Very, very strong opening. Awesome. Uh, so next up in our white elephant, you can either s- steal this one by adding to it, or you can introduce a new one, pick up a new present from under the tree. Danny Phantom. Well, I think James, uh, you know, I think he, he had a good, uh, Good answer there. So, and of course, I'm glad that Shady uh, McCoy gets mentioned in all of this because it is well deserved for sure. So, um, so my answer. Can we just can we just take one moment to praise Dave uh, Hellman yes. for putting yes. Shady in his place whenever yes. he does that stuff? Yes, Dave, we're here for you, bro. We, we don't love deserve it. it. He just makes him look so elementary the way he yeah. comes back and elegant, eloquently talks. And it so just calm. Look, it, yes, just, it just makes just him look even him. more dumb yes. and stupid. And I just love it. So, Shady, keep talking like that so he can come back and keep killing you. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. All right, sorry, go ahead, Danny. No, so I'm actually I'm going to go a little bit different with this, too. Um, so the, the thing I hate about the Philadelphia Eagles is the year 2017. And I'll tell oh, you man. why. I'll tell you why I hate it. Uh, I hate it because for many years we've had we've had the one thing over them with is the fact that we have five Super Bowls and they have none. So we know after the after the Cowboys dynasty, you know, things weren't so great, but then things were pretty good for Philadelphia. And since the turn of the century, they've they've actually made it to five NFC uh, championship games in that span. However, prior to 2017 no super bowl wins so as much talking as they could do about how great they are and every time they wanted to throw that well you guys haven't done anything since 1995 they always had no super bowl wins to to back them either but then 2017 happened and all that changed so to me it that is the one thing i hate it gives them a a a platform now a voice because they have they have a leg to stand on. Granted, it's one leg versus our five, but it's still a leg. And honestly, too, if you look back, and I just tweeted this before the show, you know, just because I just had to go back and relive it. I mean, the Falcons were so close to actually beating them. You know, they were there at the inside the 10, four downs to get in, and then, and then and we don't even have to listen to all of that. So my answer is the 2017 season. I wish it never happened. And it, because of it, it's just, you know, made things just intolerable. Man, very strong, very strong. Uh, next up, you can either steal either of those by adding on to it or pick your own topic, uh, your own uh, locus of hatred, and it's Dave Halpern. Oh, I would like to steal Danny's because that was exactly where I was going. But I'm going to go a little bit further on it. I'm going to go very specific and very petty 
which is perfect for me. So, you know, we have our all, you know, that was one thing we hated, right? They got their Super Bowl. We were very happy that when they didn't have it to show the empty, you know, trophy case and all our little graphics and have a big laugh at them. That was great, right? But I really hate that they got that Super Bowl, but there's secretly something I love about it. There's a bonus in it. And the thing I secretly love about it is that their Philly special game-winning play was a fraud. There was a penalty. There is a absolute penalty. Alshon Jeffries is lined up at least a yard and a half off the line. He didn't cover the end. There should have been a flag drop. So their biggest play in their Super Bowl winning game that everybody talks about is a penalty. So they may not care. Everybody else may not care. But in my mind, I love it that they're Super Bowl win is tainted by a fraud play. And I also have to throw in that Corey Clement touchdown catch where the ball kind of moved around. So they got two almost suspiciously fraud plays to win their Super Bowl. So I don't even know if I count it. So I hate that they got it, but secretly I love it's a fraud. (laughs) Man, this is good. So uh, next up uh, is me, actually. And so – Wow, I could go a couple directions here because I actually uh, am very tempted to pile on to the same topic um, because speaking of fraudulent, uh, you know, Danny was talking earlier about the uh, the Atlanta game, which is their first uh, first sort of you know divisional round playoff game. You guys may remember pretty close to halftime, uh, Nick Foles, who was terrible through the last last several games of the season and terrible that first playoff game. Um, clanks a pass, it bounces off Keanu Neal's like shoulder pad, and then bounces to like an eagle who, and then they get a big play and they get a field goal right before halftime. If he holds on to that, the, the Falcons have the ball and the lead, like I think somewhere inside the Eagles 35 or 30. And it, it, honestly, if they score there, it's probably more than at that time, a very moribund Eagles offense could have overcome. And then, of course, Keanu Neal comes to and plays for the Cowboys for a little while. But, like, you know, Keanu Neal, uh, he's haunted me, you know, for, for years, uh, you know, all the different teams he's played for. Um, and then the other thing that happened was you remember the, the, the Minneapolis miracle that knocked the Saints out of the playoffs. And so uh, the next round, the, the, the Vikings suddenly find themselves in the NFC Championship game. They have to go to Philly. I think, honestly, they were not prepared to go to Philly. And Philly just wipes the floor with them. I am going to my grave saying that if the Saints win that game, the Saints give them a very difficult game and are probably in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But that is not the thing I hate most. <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. Rather, it's one of the things I like, the, I like most because I can continue to remind them that they fraudulently backdoored themselves into a Super Bowl <laughs> by sheer, pure, dumb luck. Um, the thing I hate the most is their fans mm-hmm. they're fat ass stupid fans um who, who uh, always talk about in particular i mean several different things that i find i find really troubling but the one thing i find most troubling is the fact that they say that dallas cowboy fans are all bandwagon fans like we only come out of the woodwork when the cowboys are good um i live in philadelphia I can tell you right now, in 2012, when the Eagles were terrible in the last years of the Andy Reid regime, ain't nobody wearing a Philadelphia jersey on the street. (laughs) Nobody was. Not a single person. When they're good, 
all those cockroaches come out with their green jerseys on. They are as much bandwagon fans as any other fan base, and if maybe even more so. Um, they love a winner, but they hate a loser, and uh, they hide when they're losing because they're all cowards. I hate every one of them, and I hate their team. And that's all I'm going to say. Mer- and Merry, and Merry Christmas. <laughs> you're going to get <laughs> And last but not least, Shane, you're up, buddy. Follow that. You can either, how, either pile on one of these or bring a new one. How do I follow that? <laughs> all right. Well, I'm actually – I'm. I don't know if it's really piggybacking off what you said, but, I mean, I don't like really that it seems like the, that the Eagles fans or even the Eagles in, in, in general, just whether it's – it doesn't matter if it's personnel, players, or fans – their their love for the game is really centered around the Cowboys. Last week, after Jacksonville beat after Jacksonville beat the Cowboys, they sent them cheesecakes. Yeah, <laughs> the, yep. the Eagles have the Eagles have a thing right. called Cowboys Week. Yeah, the, the Cowboys don't have any of that stuff. They don't have a Washington Week, a Giants Week. They don't care about that kind of thing. In fact, the Cowboys' traditional rival is supposed to be the Washington, whoever they're going to be next year, and and then the <laughs> Eagles' real rival is supposed to be the Giants. And I even talked to my guy Joe Castro, James. I know you know who Joe Castro is. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a, there's this hatred out in the Northeast between the cities of Philadelphia, Boston, and New York, where all the teams hate each other. Outside of the Cowboys, Philadelphia don't pay no damn mind to the city of Dallas or the state of Texas in general. When it comes to the Cowboys, and I asked somebody about this, if they went two and fifteen on the year. And those two wins were the Cowboys. They would call it a successful season. That's how much they hate the Cowboys. 100%. The Cow- Cowboys fans, like, we're just saying, we don't like the Eagles, but it comes with right. the territory. You come right. to Texas Stadium, you know, we'll see. Oh, there's that green. We ain't going to talk mess to you. You know, we're right. going to leave you alone. But we're there to watch the game. We ain't there to pay you, to give you that kind of attention. You, If, right. if a Cowboys fan, God bless them, goes into Lincoln Financial Field wearing the, wearing the colors, wearing the jerseys and all that stuff, they're getting pelted with batteries and snowballs and, mm-hmm. you know, God knows what else, okay? So everyone talks about the Cowboys fans, this Cowboys fans, that. That's because these studios, these analysts grew up as anti-Cowboys fans from the start. This Cowboys hate was manufactured from ESPN and Fox and all these other places. That's where all this comes from. All this stuff about, oh, we hate Cowboys fans, we hate these, all these guys like that. It's from these people who grew up hating Cowboys from the start. They don't know what real Cowboys fans are like. They don't know that we're some of the nicest people on earth. You come to our tailgate, we don't care if you're a Washington fan. We'll, we'll give you a plate. We'll, 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 be, we'll be cordial as hell to you. Yep. It don't matter where you're from. But all of a sudden, we go into their territory. We, God forbid we lose one game. Even if we lose a game to the Patriots or, the, or you know, to the, the Chiefs, the Eagles fans especially are the ones who are going to be talking the most on Twitter, saying the most stuff on TV and radio. They're going to have everything ready. If the Eagles lose a game, are the Cowboys going to be on there talking that mess? No, we're focusing on our game. We live rent-free in the bird's nest. And that's what, and that's what pisses me off the most. And I'm going to stop right there. Otherwise, I'm going to start cussing. <laughs> I totally agree with that one, man. That was some. That was some good stuff. I. I feel like. I feel like we. I wish we had a, a two rounds of that one. That was awesome. Well, we can't get a. We can't get out of it though without bringing up their fans and Michael Irvin. I mean, seriously. Oh my god. I mean, you've got to bring that up. I'm just gonna throw it out there real quick. Everybody acknowledge. We know. Awful. Terrible, yes. terrible. I mean, basically, they 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 dropped their pants and showed their backside. That's who they are. Last year, when Lane jo- last year when Lane Johnson said he was leaving the game for mental health reasons, all Cowboys Nation was on his side. Michael Irvin gets a, gets a concussion and is out for the year. They are cheering him being left off the field. Mm-hmm. We ain't the same. 
Yeah, they're trying to backtrack. They've been trying to backtrack for, from that for you. Oh, no, no, oh, we, we we stopped cheering as soon as we found out the, how, how severe it was. No, you didn't. You cheered I louder when you, got when, louder. You, when you knew he was when paralyzed. They, you cheered stretcher. louder. Yep. When they grabbed the stretcher, they got even louder. I was yep. watching yep. that game live. 100%. 100%. They have a history hey, of ugliness. I mean, look back with the Buddy Ryan years when, you know, he's actually put the bounty oh, on, on the kicker. Bad. I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's a... Uh, that's terrible. But hey, Rabs, I just found this in the back of the tree here, and I just, just we have like one bonus present here, and I'm just gonna read it. Oh. And it says it says Nick Seriani. So oh, anybody, let's, let's talk about Nick Seriani. Have you guys seen like that he wears a beat Dallas to the uh, to his pressers and things like that? Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like the the, the whoever the, the new coach is or whatever has to cater to the fan base, and, and you yeah, know, I mean, and, and, and I guarantee you, when Mike McCarthy is hired, the Joneses don't say job one beat Philadelphia. They say they say job win, one win the Super Bowl. When when uh, when a new Eagles coach is hired, they say job one beat Dallas. First press conference, we're going to beat Dallas. Nick Sirianni is Nick Sirianni is Rex Ryan with less chins. Yeah. yeah, and he, I think he's he's perfect perfect to be their coach too because I think he embraces the villain role, which Eagles fans, to their credit, I mean, they just own it. They just like they know everybody hates us, and they don't hate them because of like the Patriots or the they Cowboys. Have a song. Yeah, they have, they, have a song. they have a song. But and so and I I think Sirianni is just you know you couldn't find a more childlike you know coach for that team. So for sure he's I mean he's he is one of the. One of the reasons that I hate Philly too, because he just he's just so unlikable. So um, definitely, we cannot have this segment without mentioning Nick Sirianni. Hundred percent. Speaking of, uh, well, so actually, I don't want to give this away. Uh, you were saying earlier the game where Michael Irvin got injured, Dave. Do you know who the Eagles' quarterback was that game? Oh, I have a guess. Well, lay it out there. Well, go ahead. Guess it. Doug Peterson. Ah, <laughs> Doug Peterson. Yeah. So thanks a uh, lot, Doug. Yeah. yeah thanks a lot for everything, Doug. <laughs> um, <laughs> this comes full circle. All right. So listen, we're going to move on to our next segment, but guys, great, great work, great input. Lots of hate. I was feeling it through the screen. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Very Christmassy. Uh, we're going to, we're going to transition to something a little lighter now. And our, our, our next segment is titled it's a Christmas miracle. So I'm going to, as I've been doing all, all evening here, I'm going to draw names from a hat, see who goes in what order. Um, but when I pull your name, I want you to say the Cowboys will win the Super Bowl if, and then tell us why the Cowboys are going to, going to get, uh, going to have that Super Bowl run. What, what's going to, what's going to cause that to happen. Okay. Um, so let's, let's do this. Uh, actually, first up this time, Shane, start us off. Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl if. The Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl if Micah Parsons doesn't need to be a full-time pass rusher. And the reason is because what made him so special last year is that he was a multi-tool, multifaceted defensive machine. He wasn't just a pass rusher. He was an inside linebacker. He was in the coverage in the slot. He played safety for a few snaps. He was more than just a guy. And because of Leighton Van Rez's injuries and because Anthony Barr is such a liability on the inside, especially against the run, they need someone that they can rely on, whether it's going forward or east and west, to cover the run. They have edge rushers and guys like Demarcus Lawrence, Pro Bowler, by the way, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Sam Williams, who I thought was the best defensive lineman in last, year, last week's game, Dante Fowler, who is a new, who is a father once again. Congratulations to him. They have def- guys in the defensive line. They get to the pass rusher, but they don't have a guy in the middle with Lane Vendrash sideline 
and with uh, Jonathan Hankins out for the year to stop the run if they run through the A-gap. Micah Parsons needs to be more of an overall linebacker, not just an edge rusher, because I think pigeonholing him to one position makes him less of a special player that he actually is. And, and I, I think that it's directly uh, resulted in him being worn down, and he's he's lost some yes. of that juice. I don't. I think he's the last few games he has. Yeah, he he doesn't have the juice he had. And and you know, Dave, you were talking about the pass rush, and I think that the pass rush goes as Micah goes. You know, if the uh, and so if if he's if he's not going to be that dynamic defensive player of the year kind of guy, play to play in the playoffs. Then yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. If 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 he can come back to the to the early season, Micah, who is getting sacks in bunches, they got a they got a real shot. Nice job. Uh, next up, the boss man himself, Dave Halpern. What do you got? The Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl if the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl if they get hot. Right now, you're thinking cop out answer. Right? What does that mean? I'm telling you, I looked this up. Fifth seeds. Win the Super Bowl 4.4% of the time. So the odds are going to be stacked against us. So it's not just like this has to happen, like we have to run the ball better or we have to stop interceptions. We've got to get hot. And when I say get hot, it's a combination of things. It's like maybe one game, Jake Ferguson catches two touchdowns, goes for 97 yards out of the blue you know, wills us to a win in a game. Some random player comes out of the woodwork and just has a huge game. Or a crucial interception that Dak throws is negated by a holding call that's like on the other side of the field, right? And you're just catching every break along the way. Or you got, you know, a turnover where everybody knows that it should be overturned, but they just don't have a good view of it on TV so Dallas benefits and gets it. These are the things that happen to happen when you're fighting on the road, because we're probably going to be on the road unless we get really lucky and some wins. And you prove yourself over a season. So those number one seeds, they win the Super Bowl about 50% of the time. There's a reason. They're the better teams. They've proved themselves over the season. They've gotten that first seed, second seed. So if you're coming as a five seed, we've all heard the stories about, oh, this team has done it or that team has done it. Yeah, the reason we hear those stories is because it's so rare. So for the Cowboys to do it, they just have to get hot. That That's great play from guys we didn't expect it from. Maybe Kelvin Joseph turns it on and becomes a covering machine, gets a couple of picks. All of these things, plus you got to get some luck. You got to get some good bounces. You got to, you know, the kick hits the uh, crossbar, it bounces through, boom, we get that field goal. Those are the things that got to happen if the Cowboys want to go all the way. Uh, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right. And I'm going to go ahead and segue because I actually pulled my name out of the hat next. Um, I, I was going to say that, I mean, actually, I feel like there's, if you look at recent Super Bowl history, it, it's a little different than Super Bowl history when the old heads here uh, were growing up because, you know, we grew up and watching Super Bowls in the eighties and nineties and even in, even in the, in the seventies. And typically then the best team tended to be in the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. That's necess- that hasn't necessarily been true since free agency because we're in a parody league now. And it, 
and increasingly like when's the last time you saw a team like get a series of double digit wins and then a 30 point Super Bowl win it doesn't it just doesn't happen I mean most Super Bowl games are are go go down to the wire they're really close even if somebody has a lead they sometimes you know that team comes back etc the last team I can remember that was that had a truly dominant like start to finish 80s style Super Bowl win was the uh was I think it was 2013? Correct me if I'm wrong. The Seahawks when they destroyed the oh, Broncos, yeah. and and they were clearly the best team in the league that year. You know, but most other years, honestly, I think an argument can be made that the team that wins is the team that got the luckiest. You you, you got to be good enough to get into the tournament. You got to be good enough, uh, you know, to 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 compete with the big boys. But I I think honestly, the Cowboys have been good enough many times. The problem is they haven't got in often enough. So we're dealing with a very small sample size, and they have, they've gotten unlucky in the times they have made it. So I'm going to sort of take, a, take part of what you were talking about, uh, Dave, which was that you also said that not only do, do some players have to play like the top of their games, but they just have to get lucky, right? In a parity league, um, teams are going to play close games. In a, in, a, in, a, in a league, frankly, that's refereed the way this league is, teams are going to play close games. Um, win-loss records in close games are roughly 50-50, right? So the team that wins, oftentimes, especially if they win a series of close games, is the team that got a lucky break, that got the interception, that got the fumble that made that got a weird bounce, that, where the kickoff, you know, like instead of bouncing out of bounds like it should, sort of like rolls along the sideline and the guy has to pick it up at the two and the coverage unit, you know, tackles him at the three. Um, there's an there's a obvious holding, but the guy doesn't, doesn't call it or doesn't see it. Uh, interception clangs off a guy's hands, right? All, all those kinds of things. Um, when when a game is close, you invite Lady Luck to be a participant, and uh, that's almost certainly going to happen. So what that means is Lady Luck has to look upon the Cowboys favorably during their during their playoff run. They're good enough, but they 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 they're not so good that they they can do it without a, a really really strong run run of luck. They need to channel the 2007 and 2011 Giants, two incredibly lucky playoff runs. The 2017 Eagles, incredibly lucky playoff run. There's a bunch of other ones, but I like picking on teams in the NFC East. <laughs> Next up, Danny Phantom. The, super, the Cowboys are going to win a Lombardi if? Dak Prescott plays at an elite level. Oh, I like it. So you know what's weird? Good one. I only wrote down two answers, and I was hoping – that I would get lucky in one of these be there. And the other answer was the Cowboys need to be lucky. And sure enough, if you and Dave were like not, you guys were all over that. So um, I'm lucky still to have one. And uh, the thing is, is I think all of us appreciate Dak Prescott. I always give this disclaimer every time I, I say this because I think that's really important. I am not, I am not a Dak hater. I, I am a Dak lover. I think he's a fantastic quarterback. But I do think the Cowboys need him playing well at the right moments. I think that I think they're a good enough team. You know, they're one of several teams that could win it, win it all. I think they're a good enough team. But I do think that they need to have their quarterback playing extremely well for that to happen. We've we've seen in the past where we we couldn't you know you know move to the next level. Maybe you know it was a Romo mistake here or something that happened. You know with. That, that we were really close. I just think that we have we have yet really yet to see the quarterback play really well and that's still lose. So to me, I mean, like in the 49ers game, is it an example? It's like 
we, we may not remember that as, oh, Dak was dreadful or anything, but we certainly don't remember it as Dak played really well. We, you know, he threw a pick there in, in our own territory and some of his throws were off. And I think Dak's a great player, but I really think it's it's got to happen. And, you know, Dave kind of was touching this earlier, too, with the interceptions. And I do think it's got to stop. And certainly not, not all of this is Prescott's fault. And I wonder if McCarthy is really kind of filling him out, like just seeing what he's got, letting him, let him rip, let it rip and just see what see what he could do because I mean he may eventually draw the reins in a little bit and just kind of be a little more conservative but I do think that if the Cowboys are really going to hoist the trophy this year it's going to be because our hero Dak Prescott tell, shows the world just how good of a quarterback he is. Very strong, very strong, yeah. Dan. I love it. Uh, last but certainly not least, you get to cap <laughs> off this entire conversation. <laughs> Big game, James. All right. So the Cowboys will get to the Super Bowl if that head, that coaching is on point. Uh, because as much as we talk about our players and, you know, what we've been talking about right now, getting hot, and I agree with everybody what they're saying. But I remember last year Mike McCarthy saying we were nervous. Mm. I remember him saying that. And when I heard him say that, that bothered me the rest of that time. I, that bothered me. Uh, because the number one, I don't ever want to hear my co- head coach say that. Number two, the, y'all should have that nervousness, but that should never be spoken. But you should have the confidence of your coach. Everything falls, trickles down. If your coach comes in there with that, hey, we have this mentality that we're going to come in there and not be denied, your team follows off of it. Your team morphs into the coach. I've coached. And if mm-hmm. that team follows after you and that team becomes who you are. So they need to be having top-notch coaching from Kellen Moore Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy in these playoffs. We talk about Dak being hot, Dak playing at elite level. I believe, I feel you. But when I look at that San Francisco game as well, Kellen Moore's got to continue to put Dak in the right positions. Kellen Moore's got to continue to have good play calling in that game. Dan Quinn, uh, gotta. You said about the stunnings. You got to be able to call a good game. Mike McCarthy, you got to be able to clock management. You got to be able to feel the temper of your team um, as the game goes on. If there's adjustments that need to be made, halftime adjustments, those things need to be on point, in my opinion, for this team to get to the Super Bowl. Because when that coaching is elite, because I feel like that coaching, when we go against certain coaches, it lets us down in those games as well. And it gets shown. If we go in there with that elite level coaching, good management of the clock, good offensive and defensive play calling because we have the players let's be honest we have the players to play with anybody in this league period far enough we have the players to do it that coaching needs to take us continue to that next level and not get gun shy not get worried not be worried oh it's this Niners oh this is this team no you go in there we're going to come in there and beat you with that attitude because I remember Jimmy Johnson yes it was X and O's but Jimmy Johnson had an attitude, and his team fed off that attitude, and I believe that took us to the top in a lot of these games, and I think that attitude needs to permeate with these coaches. You know, when you first talked about uh, McCarthy's statement about being nervous, the first thing I thought of was, was Jimmy Johnson. I was thinking, do you think, those, do you think those young bucks were nervous in 1991 when they first made the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Hell no. No way. Those yep. guys were reeking of confidence, radiating. Exactly. And they, and they just flowed off of him. And you, you just, I mean, that's why I love those teams so much because the, the team looks at that. The team 
I mean, you follow your coach. I mean, when I remember I played, I'm sure you guys, whenever you played any kind of game, your coach comes in there with a great game plan, but he also comes in there with that utmost confidence that we're not going to lose to this team. You feed off of and you play that type of way. When your coach kind of comes in there, your coaches are coming to coming in there wary, like worrying about a team, your team feeds off of no matter if these are grown men or young men. It's the same type of thing. Very, very strong finish, sir. Uh, listen, great work all the way around, guys. I'm, I'm just so happy you guys could come and, and uh, chop it up with us in the special holiday edition. Before you head out, I'm going to give each of you an opportunity. Tell the people where they can find your fine, fine work. Let's start with you, Shane. Where should people go to see what you're all about? Find me mostly on Twitter at Shane Carter TX. Uh, if you want to see what I look like, I'm also on Instagram with the same handle. But, I mean, that's only for if you really <laughs> want to see what I look like. Um, outside of that, you can also hear me uh, from time to time on Byte Media calling Texas high school sports. I don't just do football. I do other things, too. Right. Um, and I'm going to give a sh- shout-out to all the Christmas folk. Merry Christmas. Uh, happy Hanukkah to all the Hanukkah folk. Happy and joyous Kwanzaa to all the Kwanzaa folk. Thanks for having me on. Very, very nice. Very good. Uh, Dave, where can people find you and your fine, fine work, sir? Well, I'm, you know, obviously over at Blogging the Boys, where I hang out most of the time. I do have a, a Twitter account. I'm just not a super social media guy. That just ain't my thing. So I'm just going to cop to that right now. But what I would like people to do if they're listening is maybe consider going out buying one of the two books I've put out the past year. They're over on Amazon. You can look them up under my name or one of them's, you know, pro football biographies for kids, but they work for adults, too. It's a a good read. I got a college football trivia book over there also. So that's where I would like people to find me over on Amazon. Order that book. I would appreciate it. Merry Christmas, everybody. How appropriate. You still have time to get this for someone for Christmas. Head over to Amazon, folks. And I will just say. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, I just want to say for our female listeners, I would advise you strongly to go onto Shane's uh, Instagram because he's a handsome fella. Oh my God. Romance. And then last but not least, tell the people where they can find you and your fine, fine work, James. All right. My name is uh, Big Game James. You can just just type it in as it it says. Uh, You can find me on YouTube, Twitter. I also have a Facebook uh, sports page that you can check out. Um, also make sure you look at, um, I do a lot of high school work, just like what Shane was talking about. I do, a, I work with a lot of high school youth, uh, athletes. I've been interviewing, uh, quite a bit of, uh, high school kids, probably about 50 this past four months. And we're, uh, doing some more interviews. So please go check that out. We got a lot of kids that I've interviewed that are signing with some big time schools. A lot of kids that are coming up, uh, going to sign with some schools. And the biggest thing is we want to continue to give them opportunities. We want to continue to give them exposure, um, and let the world know who they are and let them know uh, there's a lot of good youth uh, doing a lot of good things out there. So please, if anything, if it ain't Cowboys related, go support the youth uh, because they are our future. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everyone. I am very grateful to be on the show with the podcast with you three gentlemen. I definitely appreciate the invite. Very honored. And uh, thank you. And y'all have a great night. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. All right, you guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. We'll see you around. Merry Christmas. Have a happy, happy, happy holiday, and let's celebrate a Cowboys win. Yeah, yes, yeah. sir. In the playoffs. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, when we were coming up with this, I was actually, in my mind, hoping that it would be 
exactly like it turned out. That was great. And I, I really enjoyed, you know, um, not only talking to those guys about the Cowboys, but, you know, the way in which they em- embrace the spirit of the show and the holiday spirit of, of, you know, what we tried to concoct for this particular edition of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of nice, you know, because you're able to, we ha- well, you know, we're all part of this Cowboys family, you know, we're, we're all across the, the country and you know, and some, across the world, you know, and, uh, you know, we're able to kind of get together and, and just uh, share this time together. And uh, it, it was great for sure. And just, you know, I think it's just a, a festive way to kind of to go out and, uh, you know, be able to collaborate together and uh, make our, help be uplifting at times. And then at other times, you know, just, you know, point out some things that, you know, need to be said. So certainly I uh, it was it was great to, ha- to have have those guys on for sure. Yeah, you know, when we were uh, doing the little, like, uh, unusual holiday traditions quiz earlier before we brought them on, one of the things we, we mentioned then was that there are all these really interesting little local traditions. And I think that that's the thing about, like, we all have these l- local traditions that sometimes are as local as our, you know, our family and our loved ones and things like that. So um, in some ways, you know, you're talking about the fact that this is the Cowboys family and, and you know, it is. And, and we have our own, like, you know, holiday traditions as, as you know, cowboy fans, et cetera. So it was kind of nice just to bring those those things together. Um, you know, usually those those holiday traditions center around Thanksgiving this year. However, interestingly enough, we've got a Christmas Eve game. So that's going to be that's going to be really interesting. So family and, and, and football are, are never more together than they'll be um, uh, this weekend. So, listen, I just want to take that uh, as, as an opportunity to wish everybody out there a happy holiday, whatever it is you celebrate, a happy multi-denominational holiday. Have a great time with the people that you love and you care about and um, go Cowboys. Yeah. And as always, Rav, it's just, it's great to hang with you. And uh, certainly in the, you know, during these times, it's, it's always nice to, uh, you know, just uh, have this time together and just, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful, grateful for our listeners as well. And, uh, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blogging the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like us to do differently to improve our podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any you know, Cowboys hot topics, or you know, do you have any strange, you know, Christmas traditions, uh, hit us up on Twitter, not Instagram. But Twitter, I'm at Danny Phantom 24 and Rebs is at Rebel Rouser, spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Happy holidays, y'all. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.